This week on AV Week, we're going to be talking about new and exciting things seen at CES and Microsoft's big push into artificial intelligence. The network for the AV industry. What are you listening to? This. This is AV. This. This. This is AV Nation. This is AV Nation. AV Nation is brought to you by Sure, because every voice matters. This is AV Week, episode 595, Artificially Smart. Welcome to AV Week. I am not your host, Tim Albright. I am Bradford Ben. We are recording on Friday the 13th, so this, of course, bodes well for us. Uh... I'm going to go around the horn, and we're going to start closest to farthest uh, from me, which is the exact opposite of Tim. So since Ace Johnson is right down the road in Tampa, Ace, why don't you go ahead and tell people a little bit about yourself? Yep. Ace Johnson, founder and executive producer of Digital Experience Group, a uh, production agency that supports live event organizers. Uh, virtual platform providers, and uh, audiovisual companies. Nice to have you. Nice to see you again. From there, let's go a little farther away to to someone who is about to leave for the supermarket to get bread and milk because there's a chance of snow. Uh, Melissa Doman of Zoom, please say hello. Hello, everybody. Hi, Bradford. Happy to be here today. Any other intro you want to do besides the... Uh, the milk and bread? There's a chance of a snowflake falling in Atlanta in the next hour, so we may have to batten down. <laughs> we'll be scared. Right. And then from the one person all the way on the West Coast, who for him it's still before lunchtime, yeah. let's say hello to Chris Bach from Extron. I hope I got that right. I forgot to ask. I'm a system design engineer at Extron. This is my 23rd year. I'm usually in the field, either commissioning systems or designing things or troubleshooting. Thanks for having me. Uh, my pleasure. And, and for those of you who are listening only and not seeing this, I do want to say that Chris does have two turntables and a microphone. Because I'm where it's at. Yeah. <laughs> so speaking of where it's at, uh, let's talk a little bit about CES, Consumer Electronics Show, that just happened in Las Vegas this past week. Uh, all sorts of things coming out. There's a whole bunch of new technology, a whole bunch of weird technology coming out, such as there's an electronic avocado ripeness detector, and I am not making that up. But the big one that we're kind of talking about is... Uh, BMW has unveiled a concept car that changes color, uh, kind of like a mood car, only better, and it's designed using e-ink. So I'm going to start with Melissa. Why don't you give us your take on this, and do you think this bodes well for the future? You know, I kind of like this uh, color-changing e-ink kind of uh, deal. <laughs> um, it's interesting. I think we started playing with it last year. Uh, this year, they're a little more serious, a little closer. Uh, out of CES, while I do love an avocado tester, um, out of CES, I think the biggest thing I saw was the amount of AI that is being utilized. And that seems to be the new driving force 
within the industry is how much AI can you pack in and what can it actually do? So going with Bradford's rules, you said AI, you have to explain what it stands for and it's not Adobe Illustrator. It could be, yeah. you never know. That's why I'm asking. Or it could be artificial intelligence. So better artificial than none at all. <laughs> I like that one. So, Ace, what do you think of, about some of the, these new technologies and new applications? I think they're fun. I, I definitely like the e-ink. I'm a Tesla driver, so if my car could change colors now, I definitely would enjoy doing that to just because I can. So, <laughs> um, fun things like that. CES is, uh, I, I, there's kind of three conferences I always look to attend in, the, in a year. CES, NAB, and Infocom. And I always say CES is 10 years down the road, NAB is five years down the road, and Infocom is what today is. So CES is always, you, you think of it as quirky, um, and you say, why would somebody need that? And then next thing you know, there's an audience for it down the road, and then it becomes a prosumer product. And in our industry, prosumer products disrupt the market because, you know, customers think it's easy enough to do themselves. And as uh, Melissa said, with the amount of AI going into technology solutions today, um, kind of weeds us out the equation because AI has got to figure it out. So CES is always an interesting conference to uh, watch and just see all the madness that comes out. And I've learned that you can't poo-poo any of it. You got to kind of pay attention to all of it because you never know, you know, what's going to be that demand product down the road. It's always surprising. So, Chris, besides Harmon introducing two new turntables, which to me is interesting to see that that's the lead, and I see you do have your Techniques turntables, what other big things, or is the BMW color-changing car the big thing from CES? For me personally, that BMW is the big thing for a couple of reasons, right? I'm a car geek, and I'm an AV geek, so it works well. It kills two birds with one stone. If... I were James Bond, Q would be painting my BMW with that, although it's not really paint, it's a foil that's electrically charged and has millions of elements inside. And for those that haven't seen it and know what we're talking about, you can go on YouTube. Jay Leno's Garage has an in-depth kind of reveal of it from the guy responsible for the program. And at the time, it was monochrome. It was grayscale. So you think, wow, okay, whatever. But then at CES, they're actually showing it with 32 colors and 240 zones or segments as they call it. So it's working its way up to the point where someday they'll have live video on that. And that gets me interested as an AV engineer. Are we going to start wrapping columns in retail with that? I mean, we've had foldable displays for how long now, but we might eventually be able to stop in some cases relying on projector edge mapping and image warping and just feed a signal into this. And that could work well for Xtrong, right? Because we've got scalers that can do custom output rates. So if that car is a 1002 by 436 resolution today, then we take some normal signal and make it that so that it fits. So that could be a new realm for car graphics. It could be uh, signage. Uh, just imagine trying to register and insure that car, though, right? Uh, you have to mark down what color it is. Well, at this time, it was gray, but then it was yellow. Yeah. So I will comment a little bit just based on my background. The e-ink as signs and wrapping poles is already occurring, uh, such as, for instance, if you go shopping at Kohl's, all of their price tags are now e-ink, so they can reprice the entire store in 30 seconds. 
at some project I was previously with, we were using e-ink to wrap some columns for signage and using it for digital signage at other places is great. I will tell you from my experience, the refresh rate is not such that video is amazing. Uh, it's kind of like dial up AOL video in terms of resolution. And with the color version, it's gonna get even slower. Uh, but what's really cool from our standpoint is you send it a signal and it's on until you change it. Mm -hmm. So like for digital signage, you don't have to keep the player running or keep sending signal across across the network. It's just what it is until you change it again. Uh, and basically, for those of you who aren't familiar with it beyond just the phrase, it's a remarkable is the brand. They make a tablet with it. The new... Uh, Amazon Scribe has it, the Kindles have it, Sony e-readers are kind of the big ones that use a whole bunch of them. My favorite, though, still is the avocado, avocado ripener uh, sensor. And the other one I will say is actually something I thought that was pretty cool, which is JBL uh, came out with basically their version of EarPods in a little case, but the case has a small display on it. That's about an inch and a half, so you don't have to pull out your phone to do all the control and battery level, which I think is some of those uh, disruptive things of we're going to see that happening on more and more devices. So Melissa dropped the AI word. So I want to switch over a little bit to Microsoft uh, having made a huge investment in ChatGPT, which is actually owned by OpenAI, uh, which is a startup company that Elon Musk is involved with. Uh, it's not a new investment for Microsoft. They've already put in $1 billion, and now they're putting in $10 billion. Uh, so obviously Microsoft is Microsoft Teams, but this goes far beyond it. So... Chris, I'm going to start with you. Great. What do you make of this, and how do you think it's going to impact our world? It's <clears throat> it's really, really cool. I've had a chance to play around with it. They have what they call a playground, and sometimes it's hard to get in the playground because the servers are at capacity because so many people are having fun with it. <clears throat> but my example is when you get in that playground and you ask it questions and you get responses, it'd be like what the Star Trek computer sends back to you when you would ask it questions for those that have seen those series over time at first glance when i heard the news about this i thought oh that's interesting timing right because cortana's got one foot in the grave and the other on a banana peel and alexa is <laughs> getting her brakes pumped but microsoft as you mentioned bradford has been in the game a while and this is just upping the ante they said they were shifting to transitional ai for office 365 and that apparently is this so it's tough sometimes to grasp how much of a jump forward this is until you start using it. So I asked it to write me a letter of ambassadorship for Switzerland with X accreditations, and it looked great. It flowed like human conversational English. It looked like a person wrote it. You could even ask it in layman's terms, explain quantum physics. And then I asked it, why are we here? And it said, this is a philosophical question that has no definitive answer. Different people have different interpretations of why we're here. But some common themes include to learn, love, and grow, to appreciate and live life to the fullest. And it just went on and on. So for us in AV, 
could be a big deal for control systems so long as the engine stays open source once Microsoft gets their meat hooks in it. For years, we've had people using Alexa plugins for our pro control systems for voice recognition, but that requires pre-programmed phrases, certain specific keywords, and it's not a learning evolving engine and intelligence. It's kind of set where that system this open AI system is smart enough to call your bluff when you ask for something ridiculous, like when will hell freeze over and when will pigs fly and make me a billionaire? It'll give you a useful, eloquent response, which might be useful in a control system when something isn't possible, not just some useless error. It could explain why and you'd feel less intimidated by the technology. So it said for the billionaire, becoming a billionaire requires hard work, dedication, consistent effort over a long period of time requires a certain degree of luck. Therefore, the only one who can make you a billionaire is yourself. So it's got some snarky built in there, which is fun too. Uh, if you ever wanted to go to the playground, it's open or beta.openai.com slash playground. So I think control systems will benefit from it, plus our day-to-day -day use of Office and the search engine that could and could not, depending on its mood at the time, finding old messages that I need to seek up from time to time. So I'm going to go to Ace because he earlier mentioned the Tesla that he's going to want to change color. And because Mr. Musk is involved in both of these, how do you, and having driven in a Tesla, see the AV week that I recorded from a Tesla and learning that control system that doesn't tell me a whole bunch. I'm, I'm interested in your take on this. So uh, my team has just really started diving into it this week, um, and I just got out of a show, so I'm jumping in this afternoon to play catch-up. But I, I have text messages, streams, because um, we're using it from a digital aspect, so not so much the you know writing and, and, and information, but images from a scenic design, set design, uh, graphical environment um, for projects we have coming up. Like we have one that's got a spaceship theme. We got one that's got a Star Trek theme, um, a couple of different themes. So we, we've gone into the tools and used, uh, you know, and said things. Oh, let me pull up a chat and just read one. You know, give me three 16 by nine projection screen stage set with truss and clouds. And it gave us four rendered images of that in 30 seconds. And so, and then like, you know, just, so things like that, large projection screen, stage set, trust, green up lighting, four more images, 30 seconds. So it's like whatever we throw, and then we just started throwing stupid stuff at it. Like give me a hippo and a tree, um, <laughs> you know, playing cards. Um, we had lizards <laughs> jumping off a fan, um, you know, <laughs> a ceiling fan, like, and it's throwing back these incredible 10 by 24, 10 by 24 images. And so now we're trying to figure out how we can expand the pixel resolutions. And some of the stuff we're doing is super high res. But like the stuff that's coming back, I would have to pay artists thousands in time to, you know, create, render, um, come up with concept. And I'm getting it in 30 seconds. And so, you know, I, the investment of Microsoft dialing it up and going in even more with, like you say, Cortana in the ditch and the banana peel and all the other, you know, AI tools we've been handed uh, up to this point. Uh, you know, me and Siri have a lot of aggressive conversations. Let's say that. 
But uh, but no, the, the way this is working and the tools that are in uh, ChatGPT, it's 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 mind blowing. It's it's going to be a game changer for our industry. Like I say, especially from the digital creation aspect. You know, a lot of people, you know, companies try to sell signage and environments and experiences now in corporate spaces. You know, it's one thing to get the the hardware in place. It's another thing to come up with the visual content. Now you can go into a system and start coming up with ideas in 30 seconds with high-res multiple ideas. Like, to me, that's just going to be a super game changer in what it allows in our industry. I'm glad you brought up the the quick set rendering. I had never even thought of that. Now that I need to make some presentations, I'm like, I need a PowerPoint background that has dinosaurs and spaceships. Yes, that we, we've done the same thing. It's like, okay, we got an awards theme. We got this theme. And like I say, just random stuff now. We're just like, oh, I need a PowerPoint that looks like this. And it's like, you know, I got a skeleton smoking a red pack of cigarettes that looking out of a window, gazing at the sunset. And yep, 30 seconds. <laughs> Beautiful idea. And now we're going to have a this week's coloring put a caption in. So, <laughs> so Melissa... As a manufacturer's representative or someone who works for a manufacturer, I don't want to put you on the spot and ask you to to talk for your manufacturer uh, because I know how painful that can be. But as someone who works for the manufacturer, uh, how do you think this is going to impact the world and especially the virtual conferencing and online meeting spaces? Well, I'm the old one here, guys, so... I got to tell you, I am late to the game on this. I only recently discovered it. Um, freaking amazing. The stuff that this is producing, and, and like everyone else, right, in the AV geek in me, um, I started out with simple questions, and then they become more bizarre and more bizarre in watching the returns, which is utterly shocking. Um I have to say, this is probably the first product I've seen that has a real chance of unseating Google. I mean, the conversational tone of it, the speed of it, the accuracy. Now, sometimes the accuracy is a little off. Sometimes you have to change it slightly. But to give you a nice base or a good start, so far it seems to be really beneficial. Yeah, it doesn't like you asking it how old it is or how hot it is in there. <laughs> I haven't got that. <laughs> and I, I do think uh, Rachel Bradshaw of Caster Communications wrote uh, a post about it on mm -hmm. LinkedIn that, of course, I responded to by having OpenAI give me a response that I pasted in. Uh, but I want to be a little bit of a naysayer here. Uh, because everyone knows I'm always right, and I'm around five years too early. <laughs> All right. Uh, maybe seven in this case. Uh, so way back when, uh, IBM released Watson, and it could play Jeopardy and beat Ken Jennings. And Watson and Harmon did some work together at the Jeff at Thomas Jefferson. Uh, University Hospital, University of Pennsylvania, Thomas Jefferson Hospital, about using it as a smart room assistant. Uh, so I'm curious what makes this different than Watson. You know, um, I saw Watson back in the day as well. 
And I think the big difference is the conversational tone and the speed with which it comes back to you in conversational tone. Um, it's just as if I were talking to one of my AV buddies and we were having a conversation about it. Uh, the ease of use of giving it conversational questions and the immediate response that it can auto-generate is the part that I think is really exciting. Watson was great tool, um, just lacked adoption. Whether it was, you know, the, the way you had to pose the question or, or its limit to resources to find answers, that's the part I find really interesting about this new one is I'm not sure where it's sourcing all of its data, but it seems to be able to go out there very quickly, find the data points, and bring them back together in a lovely conversational tone. Mm -hmm. um, I also read Rachel's article, and she said some of the facts were not legitimate which I thought was interesting. Again, brings us back to where is it sourcing its data? Um, but I think time will tell. They're off to a good start. And in terms of where it's sorting the data, uh, getting its data from, the internet and the World Wide Web. So everything on the internet is true, and I'm a French model. Yes, you are. I noticed that. Um, One of the other things that I've been talking about is, yes, this is really cool and it's really fun. And as Chris mentioned, Cortana is getting in the grave. Ace and I both have heated conversations with Siri and other smart devices and smart is in quotes. Melissa talks about how Watson didn't have the conversational tone. I'm kind of wondering, do you think this will stick around past another six months of being interesting? Yeah, definitely. I mean, just connect the dots, right? Look who's involved. Elon Musk. What did he buy? Twitter. What do you think he bought Twitter for? So this is going to be a growing animal that, you know, I would agree from, you know, I've played with it from a writing standpoint of trying to put some topics that I feel I'm a subject matter expert and see how you know, what comes back. And, and, you know, some of the information is like, yeah, you got to tweak that. That may not be as accurate, you know. So, you know, people who think they will just be able to jump into the, you know, content scene and use this as their primary source are going to get called out. But it's learning and it's it's going to continue to learn and, and be programmed to learn better and, and, and tweak itself. I don't think it's as smart as Watson, but it is, it is more personable, than Watson. Um, and, and, and Melissa, you said the key thing that I think most people, you asked how many people in the world, how many of you have used Watson? You know, 1%. The ease of use and ease of access to this is what's going to make it stick around. Yeah. I, I, so I heard that there are possibly children out there who are using it to write term papers. So I'm curious <laughs> if I put the same subject in as another person does it write and return the exact same thing or would you get variables? I haven't tested that yet, but. Yeah, I, I am curious. Yeah, there's a lot of teachers who are out there and professors that are like, I know they use a tool to write this for them. I just can't prove it. Yeah. <laughs> so it's, it's going to be around. It is because and, and it's learning as people use it. And I think that's the important part and same way it's feeding from Twitter. It is watching conversations, how people interact to understand, you know, what's good, what's bad. That's why you see Elon comment on certain things to probably have a trigger to say, yep, 
read this. Yep, read that. So. So do you think it'll turn into like some other AIs that we've seen who've been unleashed on the web? Do you suppose it will go negative on humanity? Or will it stay, I mean, as an AI, will it outsmart us and go, I'm done talking to you or get <laughs> ugly? Or do you think it'll continue to maintain a nice moderate approach? I think that's the interesting part. It's all about where is it sourcing its data to build its own opinion and narrative and mindset. And personality. You know, so it's, Yep, it's creating its own personality and drawing from millions of personalities. So what will become of it based on who we are as a society? That that will be the interesting part. So to me, it's, it's interesting to, to Ace's point and Melissa's point. When's it going to be done with us? As soon as it realizes it doesn't need us to plug it in. I turned you on. I can turn you off. Yeah. I'm thinking that's a good place to call it a week unless we unless people want to I'll ask uh chat GPT if it's a good time to end. Uh <laughs> it says I've already talked too much let the other smarter people talk. Okay, so that that wasn't chat, that was me. I hijacked his. <laughs> so, as we wrap it up for Friday the 13th, uh figure I'll go around the horn see how everyone can find each other ace uh, how can people get in touch with you if they want to find you? Yep, I'm on the Twitterverse, LinkedIn, and the uh, worldwide at uh, what is my freaking website? Oh yeah, there we go, DXG, <laughs> <laughs> DXG.agency, and uh, you can find me on Twitter and LinkedIn at Wallace CTS, and uh, yeah, that's how you can find me. Uh, Chris, how can people find you besides the local record store? Yeah. I've had to actually slow my roll. I got a bag on the floor of records I haven't cleaned and inventoried yet. So uh, I've got 2,000 that you can't see out of frame, though. But anyway, similar to Ace, I'm on Twitter. I'm on LinkedIn. And you can also find me at extron.com. I actually do some of the out-of-the-box training videos that they've got there. Uh, Melissa, how can people find you, get in touch with you, besides just, you know, trolling you on the Twitters? <laughs> so you can find me pretty much anywhere. Uh, Melissa with an A, but you can always find me at melissa.dillman at zoom.us. Little company we're all sort of familiar with. Yeah, they're going to make it one day. One day. Hopefully, you know, they'll they'll be able to implement some AI. Uh, I'm Bradford Ben. Don't follow me on the Twitters. Uh, I'm not there anymore. Thank you, Mr. Musk. Uh, you can still find me on the Mastodon where I have audio-video.tech as my own Mastodon server. Tim's on there as well, and all we do is troll Tim about the Bears. Congratulations on the first pick. Uh, we definitely appreciate you all uh, taking a listen and watching. Definitely stop by the AV Nation website at avnation.tv. Uh, a lot of people put a lot of effort into it. There's a whole bunch of shows ranging from uh, David Danto's coverage of CES to uh, Victoria's coverage of extended reality. So definitely stop by and take a look. Uh, thank you so much for watching. Thank you so much for listening. And have a good week coming up.